So we're in it, and uh, I want to let you know, in the first week of this series, we preached that you're a one of a kind, that God has a purpose for you, that you're a one of a kind. We said how uh, God sees you as valuable. We took a look at scripture, and we saw that all throughout scripture, God is constantly reminding us of who we are, reminding us of who we are. Why? Because it's important for us to know who we are. Why? Because we're one of a kind to him, and we have great value, and we have great purpose for him in his kingdom. And then last week, we looked at how God has a one of a kind report. You know, you can, you can go on social media, you can check the news, you can talk to a neighbor, you can get all the reports of the world, but how many know there's only one report that matters and it's the report of the Lord. Can I get an amen? There's a one of the kind report and it's the one that matters, the report of the Lord. And so today I want to talk about how we serve and we follow a one of a kind God. And one of the ways that we know he's the one of a kind God is because he is the only all sufficient one. The name of God is El Shaddai, which means all-sufficient one, or the God who's the God of more than enough. He's capable. He's able. He's not the God who just gets us by. He is the God who's all-sufficient and more than enough. And the scripture says that we get to co-labor with that God. How many know that's good news today? Before we get into the sermon, let's pray one more time and ask God to speak to us. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful. For the way that you love us and lead us, for the way that you're speaking to us today, God, I pray that you give each and every one of us, no matter how we came here or why we're here, God, I pray that you give us the ears to hear your truth today. Silence the sounds of anything that may be distracting or hindering or trying to speak or compete at your truth today. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So today, the all-sufficient one, El Shaddai, the one who is the God who's more than enough. We get to co-labor, the scripture says. So you're navigating through this life with the one who's the God who's more than enough. Again, he's not the get-by God. He's the one that, like, when we co-labor with him, he's the one who's more than enough. When I begin to think about it, I begin to think about this reality of the world has limitations. You look all around the world, and we realize that there is no such thing as an all-sufficient anything. You might say, oh, tech. You know, if we could just get really efficient in tech, if we continue to advance technology and create smarter cars and smarter this and all this kind of stuff, if if we could just really get this way in tech. But technology has its limitations. Today, our tech guy, uh, occasionally, uh, Doug will have to text me during service or text me during a thing. We communicate back and forth. And he said, hey, something's going on with my phone. He's like, the battery won't charge, it'll die. And I said, I thought to myself, like, I didn't know you got a Samsung. When did you get rid of your iPhone? (laughs) But technology has limitations. There's only so far we can go with technology. And then some people think, oh, no, it's knowledge. You know, we got to stack degrees on top of degrees. And we need to read books. And we need to become more informational if we can get more knowledge. And the smarter we get, the more able we are. But even in knowledge, and knowledge is a good thing. But even in knowledge, it's not all sufficient. It has limits. You can't say that you get enough knowledge that you'll be the one who has more than enough. Knowledge is limited, but God is not limited. We could say, well, you know, it's people. We need to know the right people. If you know the right people, if you're connected in the right groups, can I tell you something? That people are limited. People aren't all sufficient. People aren't all able. You say, well, no, it's, if we get the right people in place and do this kind of stuff, can I tell you that past presidents are not all sufficient? Can I tell you current presidents are not all sufficient? Can I tell you when we put our faith, hope, and trust in people, they are not all sufficient. Are you with me today? So we need to know that our faith, hope, and trust needs to be planted in the one who is El Shaddai, who is the God of more than enough, who is all-sufficient. I know you know this this morning, but like Paul, he writes in his letters to the church, he says, hey, I know you already know this stuff, many of his writings. 
He starts him off by saying, hey, I know it's, you already know this stuff, but it's good that I exhort you or remind you, he's saying, of these things. Uh, I thought about it. You know, many of us know this, but it's good that we remind ourselves. Uh, I was watching some of the NBA basketball games, the playoff games, and, uh, and I noticed, you know, they talk to the coach and they say at halftime, they say, hey, what did you tell your guys at halftime? And they didn't say, well, we got in there at halftime and we just had to buy a bunch of new technology and we had to learn a bunch of stuff with technology or we read a bunch of books really quick so that we could come out here better. No, no. You know what he told his team? He said, hey, I just have to remind you, go out there and do what you know to do. And that's what the scripture does for us. It says, God says, hey, it's important that you do what? Renew your mind. Continually be a people who are reminding yourself of what God says about you and what he believes about you and how he's going to move in our life. Can I get an amen today? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to remind ourselves of who God is and how he's the all-sufficient one and how he's able. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, in the New King James Version, it says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Scripture says we have a God who not every once in a while, but who always is able to do more than you could ask, think, or imagine. We sort of play bailout with God, like, oh God, I just hope that you can get us to here and get me by. Oh, I need to believe that you can just give me. It's like, hold on a second. I'm the God who's able to not just take you there, but to exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask, think, or imagine. It's just not a thing that he does every once in a while. It's who he is. It's the name of God, our all-sufficient one, the God who does more than enough. Am I telling the truth in church today? You can help me preach the sermons a little bit. I get insecure when you just look at me. I'm like, is there stuff in my teeth? I told Jess I didn't like this shirt. (laughs) Why are you laughing? You don't like it either? Just kidding. He's the God who does exceedingly abundantly above. But then it goes on to say this, according to the power that works in us. God is moving and using us. We get to co-labor with the God who's more than enough. Well, I don't know, Pastor, do you see what's going on in culture? Do you see what's happening in the schools? Do you see what they're approving through Supreme Court? Do you see the laws that they're setting in place? Hold on a second. The power that's working on the inside of us is the God who exceeds the need. Are you with me today? The God who can do more than you could ask or think. He's the all-sufficient one, even in the hour that we live now. I was at a church conference uh, the beginning of this week, and uh, about 1,200 other pastors and leaders are there, and many of them I've known for a very long time, and, uh, and so you're connecting and reconnecting with other people, and you're having these hallway conversations, and I'm hearing all these pastors begin to talk to each other about, guys, what are we going to do? I don't know. Do you see what's going on out there? Have you, have you looked at what they're trying to put in and what they're trying to pass and the laws that are trying to get set up and how that's going to affect the church? What are we going to do? What's going to happen if? And then I heard some people say, oh, you know, I just remember 15 years ago, it was just so much better. So much better when we didn't have to deal with all of this and that and deal with all of this. And, th- and they started giving me this tone of like, oh, it was better back then when it was easier because it didn't require us to trust God as much. It didn't require us to lean into the all-sufficient one, the El Shaddai, the one who's more than able, no matter what it looks like. Are you with me today? And if we're not careful, we're going we're gonna to let culture sort of intimidate us into this idea that you don't have the one who's all-sufficient. But you do. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what your circumstances are. But I can tell you, you can be confident in the fact that you just don't have a get-by God. You have a God who's the God of more than enough. It doesn't matter the hour that we're in. God is able in this hour. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 in the New Living Translation says this. Faith 
is the confidence that what we hope for, we will, will actually happen. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see, and I would add, we cannot understand. Faith in God, the all-sufficient one, the one who's able to do more than we could ask, think, or imagine, faith in Him is how we have the ability to have hope and assurance that what we cannot see, if we believe, will come to pass. I do believe that in the last days, God's going to pour himself out in the earth and we're going to see great signs and wonders. Even though I don't understand how that's going to work, I put my faith in El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one who's able, and I can then move and operate and believe in assurance that I'm going to see it. Are you with me today? That's what we do here. And verse 2 says this. It says, through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. Or you could say it like this. They earned good influence. Can I tell you something, Christians, in the culture and the hour that we're living in? Do you know that we're not going to earn good influence by boycotting stuff? Well, we just need to get out there and we need to start boycotting stuff. We need to start picketing some stuff. We need, that's not it. Oh, I know how we can get some influence in the culture that we're in. It's time that we rise up and start writing strongly worded emails against these. No, it's, it's when the world begins to see the church move in some faith and some insurance that they have a God who is able and that a God, are you with me today? We have a one of a kind God, the all sufficient one. There's none like him. And the scripture says that he's working in and through us and we co-labor with him. You were not backed into a corner. Are you with me today? Faith, I wrote it down, is action. Faith in action is living hopeful for something that you do not yet see. Verse four, it says it was by faith Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. For generations after you, many people say, I don't know about this next generation coming up. I don't know how they're going to walk in the things of God. Well, if you're a person of faith and you believe in the all-sufficient one and you're continuing to put your faith, hope, and trust in the El Shaddai, Scripture says that that testimony will live on for generations. That testimony will make a difference in the generations to come. How are we ever going to reach Gen Z? We're going to be a people of faith trusting in the El Shaddai, and we're going to make a generational impact. Are you with me today? And that's where we get in verse 6. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. I remember when I learned a lot about the El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, the one who does more than we could ask, think, or imagine. I remember when Jess and I, we were planting this church. We went from a very dysfunctional church on the east side of Michigan, and we had no plans. We, didn't, we weren't planning to start a church. We weren't working on this for several years. Uh, we knew we had to leave there, and then God called us to start this church. And so we moved back here to this area. We moved into my brother's old bedroom in my parents' farmhouse, and we had a four-month-old daughter, our firstborn. We moved up into that bedroom. We lived with my parents. We had no money for the church launch. We had none of that stuff. Uh, We went down to Alabama to get church training from an organization called ARC, the Association of Related Churches. And when you went down there, they gave you this manual, this thick book. And they said, hey, the minimum, the fastest you can plant a church is about nine months. But that would be insane. And then they say 12 months is a pretty good time frame. But most people take even longer than that. But here's the manual. You need to raise about $100,000 before you can do it. You need about 70 people on your launch team. You need to know your facility, all this different kind of stuff. 
we didn't have any money. We didn't have 70 people, uh, all that kind of stuff. We also didn't even have nine months. As a matter of fact, the first time we ever spoke publicly about launching the church was the last Sunday in August. And we started our church in January, four months. <laughs> okay. That's not a brag on me. That's a brag on God. But I remember being at this church conference and being like, there's guys up there that are like, oh, we've already raised 220000 We have five fellow staff members that have sold their homes and kept their money, and they're going to be on staff with us right away. And they're going through all of the ways that they're set up. And I remember sitting here thinking, um, God, <laughs> like you called us to this. You told us to do this. And I'm also like, um, God, like, have you seen this manual? <laughs> Like the odds aren't looking very good for us over here. Maybe I need to put my resume out there. Maybe this isn't for right now. And God continues to speak to us. No, it's time. You're going to plan it. God's going to do it. And I'm like, oh, have you seen the? And he brought me to Isaiah chapter 40, where you sort of get this same conversation where, where someone's saying to God, like, um, hey, are you not paying attention to my circumstances? Can you not see that, uh, that this isn't weighing out very well? Isaiah 40, 25. God is, is giving this, this speak back to sort of the ruins that's happening in, in, in this time. And so he says this, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? Who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls them forth by name? Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one in them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. I'm over here going like, um, God, we only have four months. And have you seen this book, this manual that we have to do? He's like, really? Like, you think I can't handle the manual? Wow. He's like, look at the stars. Look at the heavens. Look at yeah. the trees. Look at the thing. Like, you think I'm worried about your manual? And we do the same thing to God. We're like, um, God, why have you disregarded my ways? Have you seen what's going on with my kids? Hey, God, I don't think you're able. I don't think that you're enough. I don't think that this time you can come through. And he goes like, hold on a second. Take a look at the sky. Take a look at the stars. Take a look at the things and come to understand that I am the one who is able. So I don't know what you're facing in your home life or maybe in your marriage or maybe in your workplace or you continue to turn on the news and look at culture and go, maybe God has disregarded us. Maybe he's forgotten about America and the hour that we live in. But I'm just here to tell you, God's got everything under control because he's the one who's able. Are you with me today? It's interesting that our default first is to believe that God can't move on our behalf. When he continues to show us, no, I'm the God of more than enough. I'm the God of more than enough. He's the God who exceeds the need. He continues in, in verse 28. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God? While LeBron James is getting old, and you can tell, God doesn't age like man age. He's the everlasting God. Well, I don't know if he can come. Th He's the everlasting God, yeah. the creator of heaven and earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding. No one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even the youth grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, the El Shaddai, the all sufficient one will renew their strength. They will soar on wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This is the hour that God wants us to walk in. Those that can look at the everlasting God and look at the circumstances and say, hey, though this may be going on and I don't like how this is shaping up, I'm going to let God come in and renew my strength and I'm going to mount up with wings as eagles. Are you with me today? Just believe that he is the God who's able in that. One of the ways that God shows us what he's like 
God says, I'm going to show you what I'm like. I want you to know what I'm like. I thought it was a good point, but that's, you know, she didn't like it. (laughs) Ten more years you can give it a try. I already told her. One of the ways that you can tell what God is like is he uses Jesus, his son, who he sent to earth, to display it. So if you want to know what God is like, he says, watch the person of Jesus. So we're going to take a look at a couple things that Jesus did to to show that God is like, you want to know what I'm like? I'm going to show you what I'm like. And God displays through Jesus that I'm the God of more than enough, more than enough. We see the story of 5,000 people being fed. Many of you know the story, but I'll just give you the quick version of it. Scripture says that Jesus is teaching there's 5,000 people there plus women and children. So it's 5,000 plus women and children. The scripture says the disciples there and Jesus is preaching. He's preaching. He's going on for a long time. And the scripture says that everybody kind of gets restless and they're hungry. Past the point of hungry, they're now hangry. Hangry is not a good place to be. So they go to Jesus. They're like, we got to feed these people. And they're getting really hangry. And so he asked them, he says, hey, like in your own might, by your own hand, what can you do? And they said, well, like if we're not trusting in the all-sufficient one, the El Shaddai, by our own hand, We could maybe gather up enough. And the scripture says that they said that we all might have just a little. We might all just have a little, not even enough to be fed a meal. Certainly not enough to be full. We might just have a little. I don't know about you, but if someone's hangry, it's actually worse to offer them just a little. I'm so hangry. I'm so hungry. And you go, oh, I got this little. And they're like, get that out of here, right? Like hangry people don't want a little. So Jesus says this, okay, bring it to me. Put your faith, hope, and trust in assurance In the El Shaddai, the one who's more than enough, if you do that, I'll show you that I'm the one who's more than enough. The scripture says they bring them what they have, and God says, bless it, and then pass it out. He passes it out. And the scripture says they didn't just have an okay meal. The scripture said that they ate until they were filled, and then they had what? Leftovers. Why? Because God wants to show what he's like through the person of Jesus. And the message of this is not only I'm the one who, who I don't just meet your need. I make sure you're full and then I make sure that you have more than enough. Can I get an amen today? He's the God who gives us more than enough. So the scripture says, give and it shall be given unto you. How does God want to give back to us when we give to him? Give and it shall be given unto you. How does he want to give it back to us? The scripture says what? Press down, shaken together, running over. That's my desire. Why? Because I'm the God who's more than enough. And I just came here today to get you to understand and build your faith that God isn't the God who just wants to get you by. God is the God who wants to have so much of himself in you that it's pressed down, shaken together, running over. Are you with me today? Uh, I was doing laundry yesterday, as men should. Okay. (laughs) It's good to help out. The scripture says we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church, which means you give all. So if it's laundry, it's laundry. If it's dishes, it's dishes. Are you with me? Yeah. So I'm doing laundry, and uh, my son was with me. He's eight years old, and it was his laundry. And uh, there was like three loads, but one basket full. And, and so we put the first thing in there, and it kind of filled up. And he's like, oh, i got to take this downstairs. And I was like, no, 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 buddy. we got two more loads that we got to fit in that basket. And I said, so you need to sit in that basket. And of course, he thought it was great. He jumped in it, and he mashed it all down. But that's the picture that God's trying to get us to get about shaking it. And so the next load came on and he jumped on that one. And then the next one, the clothes were falling all off of it to the point that it was so full that I wouldn't let him take it downstairs because it was so dangerous. It was so full of clothes. But it's not that we just, God doesn't just fill our lives. Are you with me? He doesn't just fill it. He's like, okay, now sit on it because I got more to put in there. Okay, now shake it together because I got more that I want to put in there. Are you with me today? 
And true story, it was so full and so heavy, I didn't let him take it downstairs. And this is a true story, hand on the Bible that I don't have in my pulpit. When Jess got home, she took it downstairs. <laughs> I was like, I got to preach tomorrow. That looks heavy. You take it down. <laughs> Press down, shaking together. That's God's desire. He shows it again in the person of Jesus. John chapter 21, the scripture says, this is the third time Jesus appears to the disciples after the resurrection. He's on the shore. They're out fishing. Jesus is making a meal. And I just love the personality of Jesus, the realness of him. Uh, the scripture says they're coming in. He's making them a meal as they're coming in from fishing. He's like, hey, guys, I'm making it. You sound like who wants garlic bread with it? You know, like he's just and so he's having this conversation. He's like, did you guys catch anything? They're like, no, we didn't catch anything. He says, oh. I want to show you what God is like. Throw your net to the other side. Scripture didn't say they caught a few. Scripture didn't say they caught enough for dinner. The scripture says that they caught so much that the nets begin to bust. Why? Because God's like, I want to show you what I'm like. I want to get that message to my people. So I'm going to use Jesus to give the example that I'm El Shaddai, not the God that gets you by, the God who's more than enough. Are you with me today? I don't care about the hour that we're in. I don't care about the things that we're facing. We have the one who's more than enough. Can I get amen today? Even salvation. God didn't just say, hey, I'm going to send my son to die on the cross so that once you wait it out and you suffer through your time here on earth, then you get to be in heaven with me. He said, no, no, no. I'm going to send my son who's going to die on the cross and he's going to break the, the, the curse of sin and shame and all those things. And not only are you going to spend eternity with me, but your life here on earth can be one that's full of hope and love and joy and sound mind and healing. Are you with me today? Yeah. Wants us to get this picture. God is the one of more than enough. I'll close with this. This will be my last story. There's a story in 2 Kings of this rich leper. This rich leper was like a really big deal. He would have had a lot of money and a lot of notoriety. People would have, would have known of him and followed him and really honored him. But the scripture says he gets leprosy, which I, for the sake of this room, I won't get into the disgusting uh, things that happen with leprosy, but it, it decays you. It eats away at your skin. But if, if you look it up and, and don't look it up, you weirdos are going to look it up. You grow the people are like, oh, I need to know. But it's horrible for two reasons. One, it's just a very painful, gross, awful death. But at the same time, you can't be around people. So there becomes a moment where you're dying, but your family's whole and you still have to say goodbye to them. Wives, kids, family, you have to remove yourself from their situation. And so it's just a, just a terrible way to die. It's a, it's a terrible way to end, end your, your time here on earth. And so the scripture says that this guy hears of the signs and wonders and miracles that are following the prophets and, and, and the moves of God that are happening. And so this guy says, I'm going to go to where that's happening. Uh, I hope that the Lord could heal me. So the scripture says that he goes 120 miles away from Samaria and he does this by way of donkey, which if, you know, we say 120 miles, we're like, oh, that's not that far because <laughs> you drive 90 miles an hour, 120 miles. This guy was on a donkey and he had a very painful condition. So the scripture says when he gets there, the prophet doesn't meet with him, which offends this guy, the leper. He's offended by that. The scripture says he sends his servant, but to make the news even worse, the servant's message for him was, hey, go 30 more miles down to this river and dip seven times in this river, which also would have been frowned upon for a leper to go into this river. But also like us, after you've taken a road trip and you've gone 120 miles and you finally get there, I don't know if you're like me, once, once I get done with a road trip uh, and I get out of the car, I'm like, oh, it's over. The 120 is over. And then the guy's like, hey, how about you go 30 more? You're like, no way. So scripture says, I love this about the Bible. The scripture says he's mad about it. He's mad about 
his condition. He's mad about the call that God put on his life to go do this. But the scripture says he goes obediently anyway, down to the river. He's obeying God. And I, I just give you permission. It's okay to be annoyed. God calls you something. You say, oh, God's called me to this and I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy <coughs> to be in this situation. I don't know what hardship you're in right now. I don't know what hardship one of your family members are in. And you're mad about it. God, why am I walking through this? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to face this? But he still went obediently. His attitude didn't disqualify his miracle. Now, my pastoral suggestion to you is don't stay in a bad place. And I'm sure along the way he didn't either because we know that he made it to the river. So he makes it to the river. Scripture says he goes in and he does obediently. He dips seven times. And the scripture says that when he comes up out of the water, God didn't just pause his illness. He didn't come up healed to the point where like he didn't go on to die. The scripture said when he came up out of the water, he was restored back to the days of his youth. Like people walking by like, maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> that dude looks good. <laughs> What's God's point there? God's point is... I'm not just going to kind of get you to get by. I want you to be the people like I'm going to restore you so much that you see it's not just get by. I'm the God of more than enough. So I don't know what the enemy's tried to steal from you, but I'm here to raise your faith in the idea that God doesn't want to just kind of put you back on stable ground. I believe that God is the God who wants to restore all that's been lost. Yeah, that's good. Like, oh. I've lost time with my kids because they're going through crazy stuff. God can restore those days. Yeah. Oh, I've lost time in my marriage. We fight. We've lost all these years. We've done the stuff. If you walk obediently and what God has called you and assigned you to, I believe God can restore. Yeah. I don't know how financially maybe you've lost and now you're timid about moving forward and what God has for you. God can restore. Are you with me today? Yeah. So he comes back fully restored. Why? Because God wants us to get the message that he's El Shaddai, not just get by, but the God of more than enough. I didn't get to share this in first service for time's sake. That's why you got to come to second service because you get all the bonus material. <laughs> scripture says he gets done. He gets out of there. He's so grateful about what God did in his life. The scripture says that he loads up two mules worth of the mud from the river, takes it all the way back home. And the scripture says he gets right into the town center where there's false worship going on. There's idol worship going on. There's all this other stuff uh, not of God happening. The scripture says that, that he lays all the mud out. He lays it all around. And he makes this place and he goes to that place as often as he can and stands in that mud. And when people walk by, they go, what's the deal with the guy standing in the circle of mud? And he goes, oh, oh, let me tell you about El Shaddai. I've made this place where now I have this testimony where I can say, oh, oh, you want to know about this? Let me just take a minute. In the middle of all your false worshiping culture, when the world is saying this is how you should do it and this is how you should do it and God's not real and he can't move, this guy got to sit here and say, hey, come check out this skin. I have a God who's more than enough. And I'm just here to tell you that when we put our faith, hope, and assurance, and trust, and confidence in the El Shaddai, the God who's a one of a kind, the God who's more than a, I believe it's going to give us a platform to be able to speak in culture and say, don't believe the lies of the enemy. Don't believe what the world is trying to tell you. I got a God who's more than enough to meet your need. Are you with me today? 
And so we got to be those people who say, my faith, hope, and trust is in El Shaddai. I'm not going to shrink back and back down in this hour, but instead I'm going to believe that God has the answer. Are you with me today? Let me pray it into you and pray it into us. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for how you love us. God, I could speak about it for hours. Lord, your word says that we can't even fathom how you move and how you operate and all that you have planned for us. Help us to not limit and put in a box how you want to move in our lives. God, I pray that you just give every person in this room a boldness and a confidence to move out in faith and believe in trust that you're the God who doesn't just get us by, but you're the God of pressed down, shaking together and running over. We ask that you do it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.